What's happening, Patel? How you doing? Hey, Jordan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing doing good. A little bit of drama this week, but uh, <laughs> we're getting yeah, through been, it. It's been a weird week already. Lots of news, too. Yeah, man. Lots of stuff going on. Things with Durham. Uh, things with just everything. Everything. So you just put out part 12 of Devolution. You want to talk about that real quick? What did you get into? Yeah, so um, it, part 12 was kind of going back over all of Trump's presidency and, and basically how it was one big uh, color revolution operation against against him. And it's the mm-hmm. same people who, who they do these color revolutions in all these Eastern European states, the same exact players like George Kent, uh, Victoria Newland, um, Norm, Norm Eisen, George Soros. They, they do these color revolution is basically um, it's, it's almost like a coup, except it's without military involvement. They, yeah. they, they get the people in the media all on the same side and you get them riled up and then protests usually after an election fraud or whatever. And that's how they change out the leaders to get somebody in there that they can control. And so all of Trump's presidency, everything that they did against him fits the criteria for a successful color revolution almost perfectly. And it ended with, um, or culminated in the theft of the election and that, that transition integrity project and that report that they put out. Mm-hmm. And basically threatening, you know, if if anything other than a, a Biden victory happens, then we're basically going to commit violence in the streets. And that, I mean, that comes back to everything I've been saying since pretty much day one that Trump left office to kind of avoid a civil war, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. And then where we're at now, I mean, it's almost like Trump has turned it around and he's kind of doing his own little um, color revolution against them now. So it's it, yeah, it was, it was a fun one to write. It was one of my favorites to write so far, actually. Yeah, and it's necessary, too, because people, um, they don't realize how, so you mentioned George Soros and these other characters. I'm not quite as familiar with the other characters, but I know how George Soros operates and how he does his color revolution is especially through the use of social justice tactics. So that's why over the last couple of years, you've seen something like Black Lives Matter get absolutely huge. And that's why the media pumps it every four years. You only see black lives matter during election years. So, so they bring out these social justice movements that people latch onto and they don't look political from the surface, but when you, when you get down to it, they're absolutely political. They're absolutely pushing agendas, especially towards the left wing, at least in here in this country towards the, you know, establishment party per se. And then um, there's a lot of destabilization tactics, too. So like yep. the black bloc protesters, the the Antifa, you know, Antifa and BLM are basically yep. like two sides of the same coin being used, two tentacles from the same octopus. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. George Soros, he's definitely figured out a way to kind of walk that fine line of, you know, what he's doing, I mean, it's definitely illegal. It shouldn't be done, but he's been able to figure out how to do it without getting in trouble. And it comes with the support of a lot of the, you know, the intelligence community and the State Department mm-hmm. and and all the, the left wing and political establishment that's been in place forever. But in my next article, I'm going to kind of outline how I think Trump is going to be able to take it down, take it all down. Yeah, it'd be cool if you get into how you think he's doing his own color, color revolution yep. to combat what they're doing. Right. And how yeah. they, uh, you know, to be and it'd be interesting. I know you're not too familiar with Q and kind of new to it, but Q was a massive aspect the last four years of getting a lot of people understanding more what's going on, understanding that Trump is really fighting like a, a cult cabal and then, yeah. and then activated against it. But there's, you know, a lot of stuff that's outside of Q that's being done 
as well. But no, totally. It's that's and like you said, Trump kind of in some regards kind of had to give up the presidency to, like you said, avoid a civil war and progress this as well. You know, it's yeah. not an overnight fight we're having, but a, a marathon. Yeah, he's been fighting it for a while. And it, yeah. not only did walking away avoid the Civil War, but I, I think it really presented an opportunity. I mean, it was brilliant. I mean, it, where we're at now, he, he has a chance. If everything plays out like we think it will, it, it's going to destroy everybody. Where if, if you would have revealed some stuff and you know prior to leaving office on the 20th, you, you may have cut the head off a few snakes, but you know the next one grows in its place. Yeah. Where I think we're at now, I think he can wipe everybody out. You know, when yeah, back, really, so. like nobody expected it. Everybody yeah. in MAGA and Patriot world is expecting Trump to do the Insurrection Act or send the military mm. in or something like that. And then you're, I mean, from the deep state perspective, I'm sure a bunch of those bad actors were expecting him to do those same things for sure to, try to retain power. So, no, yeah. And like you said, if Trump would have retained the presidency, he would have cut the head off a few snakes, maybe some Democrats and whatnot. But the what I'm seeing happen this year is that the Republican establishment is getting completely exposed. Yep. And that's the next step. You know, Trump's first presidency, the last four years, he just obliterated the Democrats. Yep. But of course, there's plenty of compromised Republicans out there. In my opinion, there's also some compromised people, probably controlled opposition being inserted into the more like deeper truth community, patriot community, too. And sure. uh, we're kind of seeing some of those folks start to show their true colors and expose themselves. So, no, yeah, it's pretty brilliant how he kind of left Trump and Q both kind of left and then was like, you know, the ball's in your court. We the people it's yep. it's always been in our court. Really, we can't expect uh you know to be saved by one man being trump or or the military when the white hats in the military you know there's there's bureaucrats there's black hats in there too it's yep. it's something that we kind of have to step up and realize like wow our complacency the last few decades made this mess so it's going to yep. be up to us to undo it yeah and, and that's another thing i've been saying that for a while too it's you know devolution for it to be successful it's, it's really a two-part operation and Trump, Trump is going to take care of the, the highest levels of our government and work its way down. But we, the people, have to kind of do our part from the bottom up, you know, from our local school boards and, and whatever we can do in a local level. And then where we meet in the middle, it, you know, it creates that devolution sandwich. So we're, we're almost there. I think we still just need the one of these uh, we, the people movements to show the, the audit and expose the true vote count. And once we get there, um, I think that's what Trump's waiting for. But we'll see. Yeah, let's get into talking about that. So. What do you, what, did you watch Trump's rally? Number one? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. What did you <laughs> think was, of it? It was powerful. I mean, nice. every, not only every statement is he putting out now, getting more and more like direct and, and pointed, but, but his rallies are the same way. I mean, he's not holding anything back. He's, he's calling them out on everything. And it's just, it's been interesting to watch his progression from, you know, he left office and you almost didn't hear from him for like a month or two. Then yeah. he slowly starts putting out a couple statements and then, then he starts doing rallies and it's kind of his typical rally. And now he's just, I mean, he's not holding anything back. He, he had like three or four statements today that were just, I mean, they were, they were pretty uh, direct and, and uh, yeah, he's, he's being pretty explicit with what he's saying, calling out the Democrats for, you know, November 3rd was the real insurrection and the Bidens and their corruption and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's a fun time right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people are nervous and scared and they think the world's crumbling down, but I uh it's it's fun just watching all these fools get exposed and every single day we're getting this event that becomes a glorious meme that spreads and people are yeah. absolutely <laughs> sick of it. Uh how about speaking of the election and exposing that fraud, what are you seeing on that front? I I honestly I don't know too much of what's going on with the Arizona audit. That's kind of like just there, I think we're all kind of waiting as to the next steps of what happens there. But I'm seeing, and I know today Trump was in, is it Wisconsin or Michigan? Wisconsin, Michigan. Right? Michigan. I think, yep. I always get those two states mixed up, but he's in <laughs> Michigan. Yeah, Michigan uh, holding a rally, basically to call for an audit there. So yep. at least in other states, especially Georgia, a lot of corruption there. And then Michigan, there seems to be progress happening. But have you heard anything about Arizona? Um, you know, so Brnovich, he put out a letter, I think it was yesterday, and he's, it seems like he's kind of targeting KD Hobbs. And and so I think that there's progress being made there. And then uh, Jovan Pulitzer, he put out another um, a video, and he talked about how pretty much one in every 10 ballots, it's almost like 250,000 ballots, didn't have their original image on the, the thing. So it, like when you submit your vote, it goes to the scanner thing. And then from there, it goes to, um, you know, the people who actually count it on the other side. And the, the original images are, are missing on one in 10 ballots, which is, that's a huge number. So, yeah. I mean, are those all fraudulent? I mean, where did those come from? Um, so I still think there's progress. And I still think at some point we're going to see the, the true vote count. It's just a matter of, of when. I don't know when that'll be, but there, there's some steps that need to take place. And I still think it's all being timed for maximum impact. I don't know if it's, if they're waiting for like the, the financial stuff to go down before they but before they finally reveal the fraud, because I still think showing the the true final vote count that, you know, our country's in shambles and the guy who brought us here in Joe Biden wasn't even truthful, truthfully elected. I think that's kind of the final thing. Like this guy isn't even supposed to be here. Look at this massive fraud in this one county. And yeah, that's it really does feel like real. the final thing. Do you think um, we're going to get do you think they're waiting for more developments from Durham before they get to really exposing that fraud from voting? It could be. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's definitely a part of it, you know, yeah. showing some of the, the political corruption and scandals and, and what these people were willing to do to take down Trump. But I, I'm, I've, you know, originally I was saying it's the Arizona audit and maybe Durham. That's what they're waiting for. But with all the financial stuff going on and how massive that is, I almost think that that's almost more of a red pill to people than than Durham. I mean, Durham's yeah. definitely a big, but the, the financial thing... No matter how asleep you are, when you see everything just collapse and it hits your bottom dollar, that's going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah, because unfortunately, so many people who are they're just stuck in their little lives, you know, doing their nine to five, going home, turn on the TV, doing that same cycle over and over and again. They don't really know what's yeah. going on in the world. They don't have yeah. that time to research it. So really what's going to impact them is like you said, seeing it in something that directly affects them. So yep. the gas prices, the food prices, or a supply shortage, seeing those shelves at the grocery store just empty. Are you seeing yep. any anything in your area where stuff's empty? You know, it's, it's not too bad in my area. I live in a pretty conservative state in the Midwest, and we haven't really been impacted by much of anything that's gone on. I mean, even during COVID, we were fairly open for the most part. That's good. Um, yeah. So, but, but I think if like, if we reach our, our debt ceiling limit and we don't, you know, if, if everything collapses, if we default, the, the media is not gonna be able to spin that, that will hit everybody. Everybody's, you know, 401k is going to crash at that point. 
Yeah, so, I'm in uh, I'm in Washington State, and so far supply wise everything seems fine i'm not noticing mm -hmm. too much gone anything really gone at the supermarkets of course gas prices here in this blue state are always through the yeah. freaking roof but uh you know this this labor shortage being caused by the vaccine mandates that they don't want to admit is caused by the vaccine mandates but it quite obviously is that's impacting a lot of people too you know obviously yeah. people can't freaking fly so they're wondering what's going on with southwest and all that and uh here in Washington, the ferries are having a huge uh, problem too. They're down like really? almost 50% from their sailings. Most, most ferry routes have two boats that service them. So if you're going to cross the Puget Sound, there'll be you know, two boats yeah. going back and forth between Seattle and wherever. And a lot of routes are down to one. And wow. a lot of people, tens of thousands of people probably per day, use those ferries to commute to work, to just do a variety of stuff. So that's, that's a huge one. And I think yeah. not just the economic impact, but when people start seeing that a lot of these state and federally funded, like transportation things and, and whatever, whatever else are being, are being, are down because people, they just don't have the staff. That's, that's a big one. That's crazy to me. Yeah. The whole airline thing is just, it, it's, it's insane. I mean, Jen Saki today, she was saying that, Oh, it wasn't anything to do with the vaccine. It was like the weather patterns or something. Yeah. I but, saw the I mean, FAA, the FAA put out a statement on their official Twitter account saying that it was nothing to do with the vaccines just today, just this morning. Yeah. So the but government's then you're clearly bullshitting us. Yeah. But I mean, then they always have been, but then you see like reports of, of people like text messaging, like, yeah, they're saying it's weather, but I work for Southwest airlines. This was definitely over the mandate, you know, or so. you see the, the photograph going viral of the pilot that hung a don't tread me flag out front of his Southwest airlines. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yo, you didn't see that one. No, Let's see if I can bring it up and like, just show it to the camera real quick or something. But yeah, yeah you've got, uh, I mean, that's I mean, obviously, that's obviously Southwest. Yeah. Kind of blurry wow. there. Focus, but yeah, he's got a don't tread me flag hanging out of the Southwest plane. Like <laughs> you're telling me that's weather. And then you look yeah. at the weather.com weather patterns, like the only place in the country it's freaking raining is Oklahoma. So yeah. <laughs> that's well, weather. I think where I'm at, I'm supposed to get some snow tonight, supposedly, which I'm oh man, that global that, warming getting you. I know. I know. Isn't that a joke? Which speaking yeah. of that, uh, Podesta put out a, a piece. Was it yesterday or this morning? I saw it. And it was basically, I mean, it, it, whenever the, these people put out pieces like this, it's basically like trying to message all their allies, like, stay strong, you know, we're going to get through this, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but COVID's still putting about, out and stuff. Yeah, it calms and whatever. But he, he was talking about global warming and how, you know, if we don't pass global warming, blah, 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 you know, this whole, you know, we're going to fail as a country and this administration will fail. I mean. And he put out a tweet a today, joke. you said? I think it was, he wrote a, an op-ed in one of the, I, don't there, know which... I saw a tweet on the very last day of September where he said code red, and then it was talking oh, really? about climate change. Is that the one you're talking about? No, this was like an actual like, art article he wrote, and I'm pretty sure it was like today or yesterday. I'll have to find it. I'll send it to you if I find it. I'm going to, ch I'm checking his Twitter right now. I want to freaking put dosta. Yeah, he's such a joke. Uh, the last tweet, yeah, the last tweet I see from him is on September 30th, the code red one. It's a medium article about climate change. Okay, here I found it here. It's um, yeah, it was just it was put out yesterday at 4 p.m. Um, John Podesta in the USA Today: Democrats must unite or risk fostering an angry, despondent electorate. Oh, what does that mean? Funny, 
funny about the USA Today, they're owned by, uh, is it Gannett, Gannett Corporation? And their headquarters is in McLean, Virginia, like three blocks down from the CIA headquarters. Of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I just sent you that link in the chat so you can check it out. Okay. Get a chance. Oh, Democrat Party, future risk. Oh, they're nervous. They're so scared. And did you see Hillary Clinton yesterday on, what was she on, NBC or something? But she said that, of course, she's still running for politics. And the greatest threat facing America is disinformation on the Internet. Yeah. So, well, because they, they know what's coming. They know that here soon. I mean, they, they really are panicking. They, they know the news stories coming out is going to absolutely destroy them. And so they're trying to get ahead of it by claiming right. it's going to be disinformation. And then this whole Facebook whistleblower stuff. Apparently, there's another one that's coming no out. No shit. I mean, there's another Facebook whistleblower. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. I heard there was a second one that uh, came forward and volunteered to, you know, testify to Congress. I don't know if it's going to happen today or tomorrow or whatever. But oh, I mean, whenever you get a whistleblower, in my opinion, that doesn't go to Veritas, they're not a real whistleblower they're just trying to they're trying to get this narrative started where they have to you know basically government get involved with facebook and control it and or dude this i just read yesterday this facebook whistleblower is going to meet with facebook's oversight board what do yeah she's actually meeting with the oversight board of facebook so no real whistleblowers get fired from the companies they blow the whistle on or get suicided right yeah. You don't yeah, go no. and meet with the CEO of the company and all that stuff. Yeah. So right here, there's a second Facebook whistleblower says she's willing to testify before Congress. Her name is Sophie Zhang. <laughs> Sophie Zhang. It's it's all bullshit, man. They're, they're just trying to get the government oh, She goes involved. to tell CNN. CNN's the one she tells that she's okay. willing to testify before Congress. Okay. Well, they're the arbiter of truth, so I believe it. She, she must be real. That got set up by the CIA or the CCP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're just trying to get government involved in, in the censorship stuff for what's coming. Yeah. Give them an excuse for it. So no, clearly, I mean, we're having such an impact on social media, even, even with all the censorship and all the, you know, they've driven us all to these alternative platforms to speak yep. hardcore truths and kind of funneled us into these echo chambers. And even with all that censorship and funneling us into these platforms and even with all the clickbait that, in my mm-hmm. view, is being purposefully put into the conspiracy community, um, we're still we're still doing a damn good job. We're still kicking yeah. ass out there. You know? so- and, and people are looking for for truth more and more people. I mean, you, you see the media has been losing their grip on pretty much every single narrative. And as people wake up to that, they're going to try to find the truth from somewhere. And so they'll find us eventually. Dude, I, uh, I've been meeting random people. I met somebody at the grocery store the other day and we got to talking about Trump or something or other. And, uh, she asked me if I was on telegram and I was like, <laughs> no way. Like that Telegram's actually becoming a mainstream thing. Like I know 70 yeah. million people signed up when Facebook went down last week to telegram, but to actually hear somebody I've never met before, she had no idea who I was. I didn't tell her, you know, I've been a yeah. uh, citizen journalist for a few years and doing my thing online, but yeah, she asked me if I was on Telegram. I was like, no shit. Let me show you something about Telegram. Yeah. <laughs> I told her I had a channel. I plugged it in. And when I was plugging my channel into her phone, I saw that she was following Mel Gibson on Telegram, the fake channel, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, do you notice Trump coin posts on that? She's like, yeah, what are those? <laughs> it was funny. So I, I educated her about it. But yeah, it's it's cool to see a lot of people gravitating away and onto you know where the truth is. It's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And Telegram, even when I first started, I mean, a couple months ago, it was uh, it was a little confusing at first, but once you get used to it, it's like a, it's a pretty sweet platform. I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do. I like Telegram a lot. I'm still on Gab and I'm on Getter, but yep. I really don't use those all that much. I'll just pretty much copy and paste stuff from Telegram. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Telegram has problems with so many fake channels, bots, uh, a lot yep. of shills on there. It's very tough to tell who's behind some of these sock puppet accounts sometimes too. But no, yeah, Telegram is pretty solid. Yeah. I would I would go back to Twitter if I could though. Would you? Well, when, when I was on Twitter, I didn't really, I mean, I was just on there with my personal account and I had like no followers. So I never, Oh really yeah. That was it. kind of before you've been doing a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, if, if that's where everybody's at, I'll, I'll go there too. It's, I'm more concerned about getting the message out, you know, so yeah. whatever the best means to do that is, that's what I'll do. No, uh, yeah. I would totally go back to those tech platforms. If, if we could wrangle in the, uh, the censorship, of course, but the shadow banning, like, why would we go back and, oh yeah, we can have an account, but if they can still shadow ban and our message doesn't get out right then. Yep. It's yeah. It's a loss, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, Trump's lawsuit, that injunction he filed, that's who knows, that could be big. I mean, maybe we'll be back on sooner than later. And you know, speaking of when everything comes to a head, we're talking election election fraud and, and Durham coming. But honestly, I think one of the main things they need to get done before it all really comes out is getting all of our accounts back, or at least getting Trump's accounts back and yep. post on them again because communications, I mean, is is one of the most important things in any sort of warfare, especially information warfare. Yep. And uh, what's, you know, what's the use if all this Durham stuff comes out and the elections fraud information comes out, if the people who are going to be speaking the truth about it are still relegated to these echo chambers like Gab and yep. Getter that most mainstream normie America hasn't heard of. Yep. So we need to get, yeah, we really need to get our accounts back before some of the heavy stuff comes out so we can be the people leading the yep. correct narratives about it out to the world. And, and, and that's why I think we're getting closer to, to that stuff all coming out because of the timing of Trump's injunction that he filed. Yeah. He filed, he filed that lawsuit July 7th. Right. Yep. And then he waited was three the, months. Yeah. No, was it the seventh? I think it was, it was right after the 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was July 7th and he waited three months to the day, October 7th to file that injunction. I mean, and the injunction, if, if for those who aren't familiar, it's it's so that he can get back onto these platforms while the lawsuit is being played out. He yeah. could have filed that thing from day one, but he didn't. He waited three months to do it. So to me, that tells me he's um he's getting closer to to, to making his reveal or whatever is going to be coming. That now he's finally starting to like get back on uh, onto that platform or fighting to get back onto that platform. Yeah, I last week it was announced that he's going to file an injunction. I think on Twitter and Facebook. The thing is, injunctions are usually decided upon within like forty eight hours. Yeah, their their emergency. They call the judge to make a decision quick, and like you said, it's done while the lawsuit's still playing out. So, I don't know if they've actually filed it yet. But I mean, if the news came out last week, then it might even be any day. It was like ten days ago. Yeah, he, he filed their preliminary injunction against Twitter. Yeah, typically the the judge takes a look at them like within a few days. So I don't know, but. It'd be nice, man. It'd be nice to get all of those yeah. accounts back. I had, I know, I had two hundred thousand followers on Twitter before I was. Yanked. Jeez. Yeah, man. That's Long crazy. Way. What do you have on um on Telegram? I mean, you still got a pretty good following. I'm don't at, you? Yeah, I'm at like sixty eight or something now. Okay. Um, but it's a good, very engaged, very um loyal audience too. Yeah. A lot of people there have been following me like three, four years. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Well. Cool. 
good there. So, um, yeah, dude, just so much stuff going on. I know. Quick, quick question as well, because I haven't seen anything about it, but we were supposed to get some names of the co-conspirators for Ghislaine Maxwell's lawsuit yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And then I, I thought I saw something that if, or I don't know, I thought it was supposed to come out today at some point. I mean, I know I originally saw yesterday too. And then this morning I was like, okay, well, they're coming out today. Just a matter of time. Yeah. And so I don't know where that's at. I haven't seen anything yet, but that'll be interesting too. Whenever that comes out, if, if we actually get anything, you know, hard hitting out of that. Uh-huh. All this stuff coming out at the same time and, and, you know, back on Durham, but uh, last couple of days, we're seeing articles, how his next targets might be uh, Pentagon contractors. Yep. And uh, which is interesting because for the Q followers out there back in 2018, Q is making drops explicitly stating outside contractors in regards to all this FISA abuse. So when Durham oh. pulls the pulls, pulls the uh, trigger on those, that'll be a pretty sweet, uh, pretty sweet proof for us all right there. But yeah. there was one other, there was one other, I think, target that was mentioned. Let me check my text to you. Did I, did I discuss it? Well, the interesting thing with the, the contractors is how many people from former president, I mean, like Obama, all of his people that were in his administration, they either, they're either in Biden's administration now, or they left to become contractors. You know what I mean? Right. Like there, there's so many that just carry over to, to those kind of roles. And then they just keep, you know, influencing everything they can from there too it's just disgusting how they they have the cycle of of influence this family they always stick together and just yeah it's terrible never never leave it's uh yeah that's why i'm really thinking like i think durham's gonna come drop the bomb on some stuff before election fraud because like you said same players involved in obamagate some of them are in biden's administration like jake sullivan national security advisor he was the one we just learned who was clearly lying about the alpha bank connections to trump trump russia stuff so man what how crazy would that be if he gets arrested yeah because i mean he was the same role as as flynn you know right? flynn flynn got framed and now the guy who actually basically helped frame him is, is oh, in his Trump's same role national be security advisors colluding with the russians no he yeah. wasn't you were trying to frame him but the real one colluding with the russians is now in there as national security advisor like crazy yeah and then there was another story that came out today on hunter biden's laptop i think i saw this on georgia yeah, news or something that's another one like the, you know, they've been able to tie his finances to, to hunters more directly. And so they're, they're, he's potentially very well linked. I mean, we knew what he was from the beginning, but news is starting to come out on it, which again is important for, for the timing aspect of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just more and more evidence comes out showing that some sort of devolutionary process, like a like planned process is going on, or there just seems to be a, uh, patriot white hat force in there somewhere yep. within the intelligence community still or the government that's pulling some strings it's yeah you know with all these things coming out kind of at the same time durham uh maybe Ghislaine stuff who knows but hunter yep. biden that story isn't done all this stuff man what uh what i was going to mention earlier about durham is that i saw an article today stating uh john ratcliffe oh, who, yeah. was, who was trump's director of national intelligence there uh, he gave, he, he's saying he gave Durham thousands of pages and thinks that more charges are going to be coming. So that means more charges are definitely coming. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a big one too. Um, he, he's everybody from Trump's administration. I mean, they're getting a lot more vocal now. Yep. I mean, Ratcliffe, uh, Ezra, he even is a little more active on Twitter and whatnot. And then, uh, Kosh Kosh Patel, Patel. he's yeah. everywhere. 
So that's exciting to see because those people are, we're all pretty directly involved in this whole Durham thing. So when they're telling us to, to keep our eyes out more, more stuff's coming, you know, we know we can believe it. Man, you know, uh, I found, you know what I found funny. So did you hear Adam Schiff's sound bites on Rachel Maddow? I think two days ago, two nights ago, maybe even last night. I don't, Might have I don't think night, I did. So he went on to Rachel Maddow's show and they were talking about the Mueller investigation and uh, Adam Schiff was really, he sounded disappointed in Mueller. He even said that uh, Mueller's changed. He's changed or something's not the same hmm. with Mueller or something or other. So, uh, but he was kind of praising him doing his typical politically correct, yeah. you know, politician acting, but he said Mueller's changed. Like he wasn't happy with the way Mueller came out with his report or talked to Congress. And I think Adam Schiff even said, I wish I would have talked to Mueller before he went in front of Congress or something to that effect. But it, it was really interesting to me because back in 2017, uh, when I just started my YouTube channel and then Q came out and I was getting a lot more into politics and trying to, uh, you know, work a lot of this stuff in like a 5D thinking sort of way. Yeah. Um, but I was so new to it. I, I didn't really, you know, I was trying to <laughs> grasp everything. Anyway, one of the theories I came up with is that Mueller was a white hat or at least um, being leveraged by the white hat to do white hat things. Yeah. And the cover was him going after Trump, Russian investigation, all this stuff, right? So yeah, I don't know. It kind of that that sounds like it might lead some credence to that theory. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I've seen a couple of theories about Mueller. I'm, I probably won't talk about it yet, but I got to talk to the guy who, who and maybe do a little more research on it. But you're you're not far off. If if what the this guy told me is is true, um, there's a definite possibility that Mueller and even and Comey. And a couple of those people that I, for the most part, have thought were definitely black hats. They they might be a lot more white hat than yeah. than many have many have talked about. We'll have to talk about that in the future. I got to do a little more digging on it, but or at least like gray hat, and maybe they did bad stuff in the past, but then yeah. that was hung over Flip. their head, and and somebody said, "Well, you got to go do this now," or Comey, you're going to go to jail, or Mueller, you're going to go to jail, or something like that. So, so yeah, it's it seems like they were leveraged to do to basically do the white hats bidding as a part of the plan. Yep. To put yeah. In, basically. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, definitely there's, there's a lot of people that we either think are white hats and aren't, or, you know, vice versa. So as more comes out, you will, will become more aware and, and that'll be just as exciting to see as, as anything else will be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, Hey man, I think that's all the topics that I kind of had written down. Anything else you want to cover? Shout out to no. people before we head out. I don't think so. Got my power hour tonight. Um, I'm hoping to be interviewing a guy on kind of the financial aspect of things going on. So I'm pretty excited about it. I just have to wait for confirmation. He's from a, a different country with a much different time zone. I think he's still sleeping right now, but um, I'm hoping it'll be a really good interview if, if I can line it up. So either tonight or, or Thursday, that'll be coming out. Other than that, um, got nothing else for you. Well, shoot, man. The next one of these we do might have to be in person. Yeah, Vegas. Be seeing you next week, maybe if no yeah. flights get canceled or anything like that. So yeah, that'd be exciting. We should do one in person. That'd be fun. Totally, dude. All right, cool. man. I think that's it cool. for this one. Hey, thank you. Yeah. See ya. Talk to you later.